Welcome to the Happy Entrepreneur Podcast. This is a podcast for people who look at business differently. It's for founders, freelancers, change makers, and freedom seekers who want to make money, do good, and be happy. We choose the path of the happy entrepreneur not to get rich, but to express ourselves and serve others in the most authentic way we can. Many of us couldn't find our role by working for others, and so we chose to work for ourselves. We took the more uncertain path, not because we wanted to, but because we needed to. We value learning, play, and friendship, and we have a need to make a meaningful impact in the world. By following the path of the happy entrepreneur, we learn as much about ourselves as we do about business. On this podcast, I have conversations with other happy entrepreneurs from different walks of life, industries, and countries. We talk about the journey and about what we learned about ourselves along the way. For us, entrepreneurship isn't just a way to make money, but a journey of self-discovery and growth. If you're on the same path and are looking for inspiration and connection, then this podcast is for you. Up until now, we've been sharing lots of stories of different entrepreneurs and change makers in the world with fascinating stories and interesting journeys. And with this episode, it's a bit of a departure from the standard format. It's a bit of an experiment um, with the intention to highlight the stories within the community of members who've been on the journey with us, uh, some for very many years and um, some who may have just started. And this is a an experiment that Peter Krishnan, a long-time member of the Happy Startup School, someone who's been to every single summer camp since we started, and also is a is one of our biggest advocates, uh, the leader of the London Happy Startup Group, and he suggested how we could share our creative sides on the podcast, and so stealing from the Desert Island Discs format that is well known on the BBC, we thought we'd do something with members. And so this is our first attempt to see what it's like to to use this format to hear more about what it's like to be a happy startup member. My parents emigrated, my father's Malaysian, mother's Portuguese. My parents emigrated when I was about 18, 19. And then uh, I just had to make it up. I had no family here, no nothing. So I was an immigrant in my own country. Uh, so I had to make it up as I went along. I was fortunate. I got a job working for a financial services company. And, and the guy that I was working for took me under his wing, bought myself a little property, met my wife at 27, had a couple of kids. Um, so most of it's been corporate, working for big American outfits. But then I've always been a creative. and. I love the whole startup thing. I love elite performance. So I got into this create a smart virtual personal assistant thing for myself because I'm such an underperformer. And the thing I learned is that no matter how many books you read, it's all irrelevant. You can watch all the TED Talks you like, watch all the inspirational Will Smith films that you want uh, and all the rest of it. But you know what? Um, it comes down to the whole Michael Jordan excellence of execution every day and uh, and you know Goldman Sachs teaches you it doesn't matter what your opinion is it's how do you benchmark that uh, objectively from feedback from others 
and how well things go. So I got into this, you know, as a sideline, building this little smart virtual personal assistant thing. Uh, and, and that's carried on as a sideline project hobby that I do in my spare time, as well as my corporate work. So Happy Startup has been a key part of my life the last eight years. Uh, Carlos has been, to give him his due, and Lawrence, probably Lawrence a bit more. They were extremely tolerant with my exuberance and energy at the start. But I think they've seen me go on that journey, and I'm no spring chicken, but, you know, I think I found my parity and my place in, in a happy startup community where I don't feel the need to be at front or forcing my ideas and all the rest of it. So I'm in a pretty good state of calm, peaceful, you know, equilibrium across work, home, and who I am. Uh, and how, do you remember how you discovered us? Yes. Uh, I actually think I was looking online um, and I think a call popped up and I still remember the whole first thing was it was at the half day Westminster Hub, you, Fiona and Lawrence doing like a canvas half day special and uh, just that whole thing was, was beyond incredible. Um, and I'd already been, been going a little bit but but then it just kind of it just kind of went from there. And then I think the other the other watershed moment was um, when you ran the first happy startup in Regents Park or wherever it was. And I was thinking, should I go? Should I not go? And I never went. And then all the pictures came out for that one day, and I was like, I was gutted I didn't go. But then when the next one came up, I was like, yeah, that's that's you know what I'm doing. And then that was very overwhelming. You know, Jamie Cato says when you do his two, three day thing, he's like, you need to be really careful when you come to one of these. You know, when you go to his stuff or to anything that's deep and meaningful, ayahuasca or, you know, happy startup camp, because basically you're, gonna, you're going to open up the hard casing that protects your innards, your soul, the deep, dark places. And you're really going to have a good rummage around and look at things or become aware of things that you haven't come across before. And um, the happy startup for the first two years that I went, that was, I was really over the edge. I mean, I remember coming back, it took me six months to process every, I remember it wasn't until like January, February, like everything started to calm down and I was real on so many ideas. Um, and now I think, you know, I see that, in a pastoral kind of relaxed way, you know, to try and help other people when they're there. Cause I see them going through it uh, and say, look, when you, when you've come away from it, don't overwhelm people. You're going to feel overwhelmed, but just let it sink in and, you know, take it on board. So that Westminster hub, that was a big moment. And then the first, the first one or two happy startup camps, uh, they were big moments for me. That was finding my, final tribe that wasn't work and it wasn't home and, and you've been a, an amazing sort of drum beater for us in london um withholding the 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 london meetup group and, and hosting for you know a number of amazing events there what's that been like you know and actually even that first step of of just starting that what was that like for you well, there's two things I would say. The first one, all these things, it never happens quite exactly how you think it will happen. Like, you, you want, like, say, for example, I want Lawrence and Carlos to call me and go, 
Peter, you're fantastic. We want you to run the London thing, blah, blah, blah. Uh, obviously, that didn't happen. But, but what did happen was I went along to this happy startup meetup in London, which was about eight, 12 people. And then the guy that was running it said, oh, I can't come back next month. Could somebody just take it on in the interim? So I do leadership and all that. I run huge teams. So I said, look, and facilitation. I said, yeah, no problem. I'll do it for a month. And then, uh, you know, it's been like four years. He never came back. And uh, that was that. And what I would say about that, very interesting, which ties into the other point of when we went to Barcelona, me, you, Lawrence, um, you know, and a, no, a number of other key happy startup evangelists, was I think we were at the airport, which is kind of a symbolic thing. And I think you, you and Lawrence were saying, you know, we kind of feel that we start a lot of people on the journey, but we kind of, we get left behind a little bit. And I, running the London one, felt a bit the same. Because you see, a lot of people, you, you put energy into it, you put yourself into it, you give a lot. You don't want, ask or expect anything in return. But it is, that doesn't make you immune from people coming and taking from you very little in the way of return or feeling to a degree a little bit entitled when they ask you for stuff right what about this what about that and that took me a while to get to grips with that and then i discovered actually there's nothing wrong with that you know you run this thing people come once or twice and then they never come back again and i was a bit confused it wasn't confused but it took me a while to work out the job is not retention the job is actually to create a hub that is transient, that allows people to come and go. And as long as you can create that framework and you're comfortable with that degree of transience, you're doing your job. And um, the other thing as well is not to get stuck to a format. So I think the job is to be a facilitator and a rainmaker or a flame starter, whatever it is, but you don't need to own rigidly the whole thing. So we've had some people come along and they went, well, what about we change the format? Or what about we do this? Or what about we do that? So it took a number of iterations to finally get it right. One was frequency. So we used to meet every month. And then that was maybe a bit too much. And then we had a, we had a structured framework about, you know, 30, the 30 days past, present and future. So what nearly killed you? Where are you at now? What are you going to try and achieve for the next 30 days? And some people like that and some people didn't. So we said, look, why don't we just get together on a quarterly basis, make it a bit more informal, that way people don't feel pressured, and we can just talk about nurturing the community and the relationships, because that's really what it's about. Cool. So let's let's check out your first tune. Do you want to tell us a bit of a, tell us what it is and uh, and what's the story behind it? Yeah. So a very very special song for me. Uh, there's a guy called Teddy Riley, uh, if you want to look him up or, you know, people listening to this. And Teddy Riley um, became a legendary super producer. He produced Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston and all the rest of it. And recently he gave an interview and he was quite close to Michael Jackson at the end. He did two of his last albums. And they said to him, do you think there's anybody out there that could take on the mantle of Michael Jackson? And he said, there's only one guy and that's Chris Brown. Right. And uh, so th this track that I would choose for me is the first of my three is Chris Brown and the song is Fine China. 
A, it's a great song, you know, for me, uh, in its own right, number one. And the journey of startup, they talk about, you know, it's important that you get out of the cave of invention. But I think that misses a point. Do you have to spend a lot of time in the cave of invention? And that means a wet, cold winter's Thursday night on your own at 10 o'clock. You know, either you've got some Facebook campaign that's all gone wrong, you can't get working or some piece of code, or, you know, you're trying to write something, whatever. You know, that's where you need, as Alex Ferguson would say, in your darkest moments, you need to know where to find your motivation, because that's key. That's the point. That's the point at which the difference will be made and where most people give up. And it was about 2014 um, where I was, I, was, I was having to travel to Bournemouth every so often. That's where the head of operations centre is for, for our company. And uh, the train journey is about two and a half hours, two hours. And I used to love that train journey because I could just for two hours do non-stop coding on a laptop. And um, on the way back, I'll never forget, I think it was winter or whatever, I had the headphones on, the laptop was open, I was really doing the coding, I was into the coding, I had a Spotify playlist, and this, this song came on. And sometimes there's just an alignment of, you know, this concept of flow. And everything was just flowing, right place, right time, right work, this song came on, and I just went, I've just, even if nobody ever uses what I'm doing, you don't need, think, for things to be successful, it doesn't always need other people to, divide, to define valid or validate it. And this was just that moment, and I just went, if nothing else, this part of the journey, regardless of the destination, absolutely fantastic. And that Chris Brown, Fine China song, just took it to a whole other level and remains indelibly etched in my mindset. Cool. Well, we're going to check it out right now. personal assistant thing that you're, you you didn't use its name infinite uh, there you go yeah um 
it might be interesting to i think to find out a bit more about where that came from a bit more of the the backstory behind it um and and what it's been like birthing that baby for you yeah so um i'll tell you what so this you know it's a 30 years it's a 30 year startup mate that's what it is number one and i'll tell you where where it comes from you know let's talk about enormous startup podcast tim ferris uh, happy startup camps and all the rest of it it's like scratch your own itch eat your own dog food live your own dream solve your own problem and this is definitely that and i don't know whatever it is i think i'm relatively emotionally intelligent and aware but that, that doesn't necessarily equate to maturity yeah and i think because my parents left and i didn't have any siblings or whatever i had to work a lot of things out myself and when I was about 22, 21, uh, I was introduced, I went on some management course because they said, oh, we want you to be a supervisor of like four or five people. And the first thing I learned, I went to this management course and it was like that I was introduced to a task list. In the old days, before the iPad and all this and iPhones, it would look like a yellow pad with circles and lines. And you would just go, this is what I need to do today. Uh, you'd write that on the line and you'd have a little little circle and you'd tick it when it was done. So that I got introduced to that. Forward, so that was number one. So I love a list, me. Can't take me anywhere. I love a list. Because I like to get things done. So that's how my mind works. Then forward uh, to later, I started doing my MBA. And not many people know this, but... On the version of Microsoft Windows uh, 97, it might have been Windows 95, buried away in the corner is a small icon that looks like a square. And I, I saw it there one evening while I was doing my, doing my studies. And I clicked on it. And what should I discover? But inbuilt into Windows is a, the first ever First ever, long before Coursera, Happy Startup and all that business, first ever kind of online course. And it was the seven habits of highly successful people. Stephen Covey. Oh my God, what a revelation to see and discover the important and urgent matrix, right? Because remember, not all tasks are created equally. So what I discovered, so then I was like, well, this is pretty cool, right? So you've got this list. So now you can attach, you rate them, what's important and what's urgent. And the big thing about that is we spend a lot of time, 90% of our time doing what's important and less than 10% doing the things that are important. So all our effort goes on in, on the urgent stuff. Answer the phone, somebody called me now as opposed to what's really important, family time, you know, managing your career, finances, whatever, all that stuff gets pushed to one side. And then we sit and wonder why things aren't happening, right? Because we're focusing on all the small stuff. So then you've got this important and urgent. Anyway, so I'm, I, and I started reading a lot at this time as well. Big aspirations to be the next master of the universe in corporate, you know, how that goes. So I'm reading all that. Career's going good, but not great. Um, I'm reading all these books. 
wondering why it's not quite happening. Then I end up at Goldman Sachs. Uh, and then I come across this thing where I tell you what, it's a brutal place to work. So they say, look, your opinion about how well you think something went is irrelevant. And actually, we know from study, Daniel Kahneman and all these books, Think Fast, Act Fast, Think Slow, Think Slow, Act Fast, whatever it is, is that the person that knows the least about us is us, right? Our memory plays tricks on us. Our perception of things isn't quite right. Uh, and at Goldman Sachs, they really believe in this thing of feedback, get feedback. So now I've got a task list. I've got what's important and what's urgent. And now I add to this feedback. That was a really big moment. And I started making this list in spread. I started making this Excel spreadsheet. It's quite complicated. And, you know, I'm technically reasonably capable. So it's got all these algorithms going on in there. And then I looked at it and I thought, no, there's something missing here. It's organizing all the stuff for me. But why is it just work? Why have I not got like my whole life in here? My family, my finances, home care, career, relationships, everything. So I started building out this spreadsheet. So now I've got myself a kind of auto-prioritizer. And then I thought, wouldn't it be good if every time I completed X number of jobs in a particular category, because I can never remember the stuff I've read in these books, we're not, we are not designed to be a data storage device. We're designed to be a creative engine, right? So we know 95% of what we read goes. It's forgotten. You can never remember what you need when you need it. It's all like irrelevant Homer Simpson type stuff. In a moment of truth, all I can think about is donuts. Yeah. So I thought, wouldn't it be good if I could make, like read all these books, I've got all these notes, if I just turn them into individual little nuggets, and every time I completed X amount of tasks in a particular category, it would release one of these knowledge nuggets from a book in that category that could come through to me and give me an exercise, something practical to do, so that I could grow as I'm doing activities in this space. So I started to fuse all that together, and that's when Infini came about. And it's still going, and it really, all it does is it holds a mirror up to you to say, this is what you've been doing. Has it had an impact? How well have you done it? Is it making a difference? And this is where you're spending all your time. And are you happy with that? It can't tell you what to do. I can't even tell myself what to do. So, but it will hold up a mirror. And maybe you might go, I'm comfortable with that. That's just the way I am. Or maybe there's areas of development and things that you want to focus on. And maybe you want to change your focus. So that's how I set it up to be like my own personal Jarvis from the Iron Man films. If you've seen those and you're familiar with it. So that's it. Nice. Awesome. Do you want to let us know about what's your next tune? Pretty easy, this one. So some songs, you know, if you build something good, it's classic. It's timeless. You think about the best things in your life. Most of them you still wish you had. And uh, George Michael's Freedom 90 is definitely one of those. Uh, I think it was about, well, it's called Freedom 90. So that's when it came out, 1990. And I remember at the time I must have been, yeah, 23, something like that. 
Uh, and it was such a big deal when Listen Without Prejudice came out to the extent that on the day it was released, The Sun gave up the centre spread just to publish the lyrics from Freedom 90. And uh, it just had such an impact on me. And then fast forward to not last year, but the year before where Silent Disco really got going. And somebody stuck on uh, the Silent Disco, stick it on tune, uh, was George Michael's Freedom. And a song that's that old, you know, 30 years, 30 years, and it's still going and still relevant and current. And it was all quiet because it's a silent disco. But all you could hear were these people singing freedom. And I've got it on video, me and Lawrence, uh, and the whole tent. It was just, you know, perfect moment. So it just sticks with me. Nice. So picturing silent disco at summer camp and everyone whooping and screaming freedom. Brilliant. Continue a bit with the infinite story, because um, it got to a stage where you couldn't just build it on your own. Yes, uh, and you you needed to get some help. Yeah, and um, for a lot of people who who essentially think of their their idea as their baby, they can get very possessive 
over who touches it and yes. how, it, how it grows. How, how did you navigate that journey of, of essentially oh, getting people to help you? Such a good question because I think I've had a lot of bumps and bruises on the way. You know, we were talking about corporate and sometimes people don't tell it straight. I think it's changed a lot, by the way, in recent years um, it's for the better. All the corporate, you know, corporate bullying and that has definitely died down, of which I've been on the end of uh, on a couple of occasions. But in startup, people don't care, man, right? So uh, I remember I went to a meetup. I met this guy. His name was Fikrit. We got on quite well. I was in, I was in, I'll never forget where I was. I was in a Starbucks. We met for coffee. And I'd been working on an Access Microsoft Office version for about two years already. And he said to me, he turned to me and he said, uh, he's only 25, this guy at the time. And he said to me, what are you doing? What do you mean, what am I doing? You know, I'm double his age, right? So uh, he's like, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean, what am I doing? He said, you know, you're going to be doing this till you go into the grave at this rate. He said, there's a saying in startup. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go further, go with friends. And that guy, he was brilliant because he encouraged me uh, to go and get some graduate intern talent to help. And, and that was a big thing. Uh, and then as soon as, as soon, you know, I managed to find a couple of guys. So all in all, it's wound down a bit now, but the project's still going. Uh, you know, over the course of the journey, I must have had 15, 16 people all working on it pretty intensely. And the one thing that it's taught me, if you want to survive in startup, is, and this has been so helpful at work, is I only ever ask two questions now on anything I do, which are, I want you to tell me why this is a bad idea and why I'm wrong, right? If you can start on any new feature, function, idea, startup, you know, milestone, whatever it is, if you can start with that, it's going to save you a lot of heartache and pain uh, for yourself, for others, and in terms of the direction that you're going. Sometimes you still need to be a leader and say, well, you know, I'm listening to what everybody says, but unilateral decision is, you know, somebody's got to be in charge and I'm saying, you know, let's head up, let's head up the hill or, you know, go left or go right, whatever it might be. But um, I think the quicker you can find a conscientious dissenter, right, um, the better it is for you. Because if, if you don't start asking people, if you don't drive and own that process quickly, you know what? Somebody you don't like is going to deliver it to you in a much tougher manner. So I always say to people close around me, please don't spare my, you know, as long as you're, as long as you don't go out of your way to make it unduly brutal and blunt, right? But be honest because you're not doing me any favours not telling me because if you don't, somebody, somebody I'm not that close to is will and i might be nine months and 15 grand in the hole down the line by that point right so that's my view on that nice awesome um 
Let's go to the last tune. We'll yeah, so yeah, I, I, I'm going to give you a disclaimer. You don't need to play all of this, number one. <laughs> but I mean, I've loved music from a kid. I, I really, you know, people go, "Oh, what's your top ten? You know, if you like movies and all the rest of it. And uh, I would say though, this song probably at this point in time is the number one. And this song, when you listen to it, is a journey. It's a journey from how it starts. It's like a start-up parallel. It starts with just a little electric keyboard chord. And then, like in the darkness of the universe, there's just a little light, a little glimmer, a little flare that goes off in your mind. And then the song starts to build. But it does it in a way that I feel is like a cosmic type of meditative type song. And everybody I've played it to, when they sit down and listen to it, say that is something else. The way it builds to a euphoric point and the bass kicks in, the vocals are fantastic. And then you kind of hit this, this altitude and you're going. But it also, you know, it, it goes through that creative process. And uh, it's just such a lovely song. Cool. And tell us what it is. So, yes, it's Want You In My Soul. It's by The Lovebirds. And it's the Stee Down Mix.
got lost in that completely. That is a perfect, this is a perfect moment right now. <sighs> I've had some dark days, some really tearful moments, some heavy duty things. And uh, I put this on and it's just like I'm able to go to the centre of the inner universe of my being. And it's just like it's, start, you know, whatever it is for anybody. You know, for me, it's stars and just the sun rises on a beach somewhere, some sort of EDM, and then it finishes and it's, you know, I'm there with all my friends and it's just, just in such an incredible, so it always just picks me up when I'm in the worst place ever. Oh, lovely. Beautiful. You talked earlier about a journey. Yes. Um, and so what I thought would be interesting to reflect on is this this startup journey and how and what it's done for you at a personal level, but you also mentioned something at a professional level. Um, because a lot of people think about when they think about startup, they think about the business and growing it and the success that it's going to create. I'm wondering what else people could find from taking on this journey and how else it could benefit them. Not just thinking of it purely as building a business. Uh, actually it, that to me has been the least part of all the benefits I've had out of it. I would say, I've been able to, and I say this as humbly as I can, I've been able to change people's lives as a consequence of this through the intern programme. One of the guys, you know, he was living here on his own, come from another country, up in Huddersfield. You know, I didn't know what he was going to do, where he was going to go, uh, doing his degree. And he, you know, I found him, he did his dissertation on Infini. He got an honours, and from there he managed to get a job in Barcelona. And we met him, I don't know if you remember, we were there, uh, Ruman. He got a job working for a Facebook game company, game developer company, and his life just took on from there. And he said, you know, if I hadn't met you, if I hadn't got involved in that, none of this would have happened. Uh, the same with Desi, who came to the summer camp. Again, the work she did, the coding she did, helped to get a job with Deloitte. You know, and there's just been numerous, numerous incidents of that. And, and the little guy that I found, the little Colombian fella, uh, four years ago at the South Bank University doing his master's, after all this time, he's still with me. He's my chief technology officer now. And we meet religiously four years into it. And we just become like, you know, I don't know, older brother, younger brother, religiously every Sunday for four years, we meet seven o'clock and it's been brilliant and it took brought me to the happy startup camp where i met chris choypek and you know me her and lucas and my cousin we've got this gratitude thing going on whatsapp we send each other pictures you know send each other pictures of things you know it's a small closed group so you know just from that perspective the people i've met you know i've been, i've got inside google um you know I got onto the Azure program, just the places you go, the people you meet, the things you do, the, the topics you talk about, 
it's just like doing an MBA, you know, it gives you a level of confidence and a whole vocabulary, emotional and textual that you can use. Um, it teaches you highs and lows, it teaches you about resilience. And with, with startup, you can't hide from yourself. If stuff doesn't get done, because of you, you can't, you can't sit somewhere and say, that person is useless, they're rubbish, you know, they're a halfwit, you know, blah, blah, blah. Because when you do that in startup, that's gonna be in front of the mirror. Right. And actually, what it does is it helps you understand and embrace who you are, where your strong points are, where your limitations are, and where there are some things that you just can't do. And it teaches you how to work with others because you won't get it all done on your own. Uh, it teaches you that sometimes, as you asked me earlier, you've just got to eat it and you just have to go. Well, it's not about my idea. Who am I, you know, what, what problem am I trying to solve for who? And actually, if your community is saying it's a bad idea, it forces you to listen. It teaches you tenacity, as we spoke about on that late Thursday night, you know, when nobody else is around. It teaches you the joys of the high, you know, when things come off, the euphoria of the George Michael Freedom Track, where, you know, you can just live in the moment and uh, it teaches you to be creative, teaches you a lot of new skills. You start to understand it's one thing to have an idea, but to bring it to life is, is very hard. All those skills, right? And, you know, success, like the music that we've heard tonight, is a crafted thing. You don't always have to be in a hurry, yeah? Like that last track that we heard, it takes its time to build up. But there's joy in that. You should, you know, just enjoying the process of building things and refining it. You know, I love, um, I, I love, I love music. And uh, I love music. And I've got an album that I'm trying to finish. And it's taken me like six, seven years. But, but the race is only ever against yourself. And, it, you know, it's only when I'm happy. And that's ultimately what counts. The end output and the end product doesn't really matter. It's the skills that you learn and the relationships that you nurture, because it might not be this project that is the payoff, right? It might be the third or fourth project or iteration that finally works. And that guy that I said, I met in the coffee shop where he said, you know, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go further, with, you know, if you want to go further, go with friends. In his own life, he was verging serious depression and mental breakdown to the extent his girlfriend lost faith in him. He was at odds with his father. He was living in a one, one room type setup. And he tried, he tried four, five, six different startups, all radically different. And it was like his seventh startup he finally got it all right. And uh, he's thriving now. He's got a wholesale foods business. Um, but it shows you the, the importance of perseverance in startup as well. It, you know yourself, the journey that you and Lawrence have been on. It's a journey, certainly not a destination. If you can get milestones along the way, 
then that's good. You know, you want to stop off at various, at various stations and stops to smell the air, drink the coffee, enjoy, enjoy your surroundings. And also go, you know, we have delivered something here or done something of value, something tangible that we can show. But um, that's what the whole thing has been like. It's, it's just been beyond incredible uh, on so many facets that I've covered. Amazing. That's brilliant. Well, I think this was a successful experiment myself. I really enjoyed this conversation and I love the mix of the music and the stories and, and the reflections that that's brought up. And you really appreciate um, playing around with this idea and being the first to, to step forward and share your tunes and stories. Oh man, it's been a perfect moment. I mean, me and you just, you know how much love I've got for you. So that's been great. And uh, Annalisa doing a 21 day challenge, phenomenal. But we do need to stop short now because I don't know if you know, there is a live webcast going on, which you can find on YouTube, where they are unveiling the PS5 as we speak. <laughs> Important stuff. My son was telling me about that this morning. Yeah. Coming out. Great. Well, we must stop right now. Yeah. All Thanks, right. Pete. You take Probably. care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Happy Entrepreneur Podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Also, if you'd like to learn more about being a happy entrepreneur and want to connect with more people like you, then go to our website, thehappystartupschool.com, and subscribe to our newsletter. Amongst many other things about business and life, we'll help you answer the following questions. How can I serve others by being myself? And how can I discover who I really am by serving others?